In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, you may be seated. Today's Gospel gives us a parable of our Lord Jesus comparing the kingdom of God to a first century wedding in Palestine. Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples asked why he talked about spiritual things in parables. And Jesus responded by quoting the mysterious words of Isaiah. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand, for the, this people's heart has grown dull. In contrast, Jesus said this to his disciples and to all of us who listen to his words and take them to heart today. Blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. What are we hearing that others are not able to see and hear? How do we know that we are among those who see and hear. First, this is how we know. You and I know because our hearts are warmed hearing the words of Jesus, just like the disciples listening to him on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection felt warmth of felt the warmth of his words. And when we are spiritually engaged by the profundity and the simplicity of Jesus' words, and our eyes open wide like the eyes of children, we know that we are among those who see and those who hear. We know because he, when he tells us the secrets of the kingdom of God, we are delighted by his insights and we believe his words even when we do not fully understand. If his stories give us the desire to understand God's ways and to receive the love and friendship he offers, then blessed are our eyes, for they see, and our ears, for they hear. All of that is only intended as a reminder before we look at the parable of the ten bridesmaids together. Let's look at it as a work of art, a poem, or an abstract painting. This little story will not reveal its secrets unless we give it our, our attention and engage with it, appreciate it, and gradually awake to its beauty. In Jesus' day, Bridesmaids would have had a year or so to encourage the 13 or 14 year old bride to be and share stories with her and imagine her future with her. After the betrothal, the families had finally worked out all the details and the dowry had been arranged. And during the year, 
The bride was waiting at her parents' home, and the groom had been preparing a place for her in his father's house. And as Jesus' parable begins, that year is over. The bride-to-be is now about to leave her mother and father, brothers and sisters, and go to be with this young man. It was all a big deal, and everyone in the family was excited about the celebration and the great hoopla that would take place when the groom arrived back at his home with his bride. The groom had sent a message that he was on his way to get the bride. Hearing this, the ten bridesmaids in Jesus' story had quickly grabbed their lanterns and run out to greet the groom on the road leading to the village. But the groom was taking longer than expected. He and his groomsmen would not arrive at the bride's house until after dark. And as the hours went by, the bridesmaids sat at the edge of town talking with each other by the light of their lanterns. At last, they extinguished their lamps and fell asleep. But before an hour had gone by, they awoke with the, to the cries, He's coming! He's coming! They jumped to their feet and quickly relit their lamps and ran to welcome the groom and his men. At least, that was the way it would have been done in the days of Jesus. But in his parable, Jesus introduces some unexpected drama. Five of the bridesmaids had not had the forethought to bring extra oil in case their lamps went out. So they asked the wiser bridesmaids for some of theirs. These women realized that if they gave some of their oil to the five who had none, they would all risk their lamps going out before the meeting the groom and his men. The five bridesmaids, who Jesus called foolish, had no choice but to run to the market for some oil. And when these women finally arrived at the groom's house, it was the wee hours of the morning. And since they had not arrived with the rest of the wedding party, they were not allowed into the groom's house. It was too late. The door to the wedding banquet was closed, and for these bridesmaids there would be no entrance and no joyous celebration with their friends. Most devastating of all, they hear these words of the bridegroom himself coming through the closed door. Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. How does that ending make you feel? Why would Jesus tell a story with such a harsh ending? Let me ask you again, as followers of Jesus, what are we seeing and hearing that others are not able to see and hear in this parable? I believe the way we feel about the fate of the five foolish bridesmaids to whom the door is shut is the meaning of the parable. Feeling the pain and disappointment of the bridesmaids, we want to think ahead and get some of this oil so the door won't be shut on us. 
We never want to hear Jesus say to us, I do not know you. But blessed are your eyes because knowing Jesus, you see into his heart by seeing with your heart. The eyes of our hearts also see this, that hearing our Lord and King say, I don't know you through a closed door would be more painful than we could bear. And as we think about Jesus' meaning, we realize that there is a kind of knowing that is linked with loving. When the knowing is relational, it is also reciprocal. The way I know my wife has little to do with memorizing information about her or making logical deductions about her, but it has a lot to do with understanding her heart. The same is true of knowing one's children or a friend. This kind of knowing surpasses knowledge. The same is true of knowing one's, oh, I'm sorry, this is the kind of knowing that surpasses knowledge. Paul teaches this in his prayer to the Ephesians, that we would know the love of Christ and know his love that surpasses knowledge. And once we know the love of Christ, we also know God because God is love. Our knowing God is God knowing us. The cry of God's heart to us is heard through Scripture, throughout Scripture, he wants us to know who he really is. The prophet speaks for the Lord, saying, My people do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. And Jeremiah calls out as God's spokesman, Let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice. And Paul says, I count all things lost compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Christ Jesus. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of God's promise to us. I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. And finally, our Lord Jesus assures us, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. But what does the oil have to do with knowing God? How does possession of the oil open the door to heaven and make us known to the Lord? The oil makes light possible. It is what makes us, because of Jesus, the light of the world. The commentators on this parable tell us that Jesus is using a comparison that occurs often in Scripture. Oil is the Spirit poured into our lives in the form of grace. It is, which is another way of saying, it is God's love for us. And Paul says it this way, God has poured out his love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. That is the oil that Jesus is so insistent that we must get. St. Augustine wrote this encouragement to those who see and hear. He says, and so it is not enough to have received insight and to know the testimonies of God. 
if we do not continually receive and become inebriated by the fountain of eternal life. But in the company of his close friends, Jesus presents these truths in direct terms. Luke gives us a ten-line story in which Jesus tells his dear friends about the one thing necessary. He is at the home of Martha and Mary when he answers busy Martha's complaint with this, You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Your sister Mary has chosen to sit at my feet and look into my face and listen to the words of life. And sitting and listening, she has discovered the one thing necessary. Jesus' words to Philip ring in our ears. Don't you know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In another place, he calls out, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Where and when, Lord? In heaven? When we die? Yes. And you are already dead, crucified with Christ, risen with Christ, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You are now breathing in the same spirit of love that fills all heaven. So Jesus' parable is an invitation to order our lives in such a way that the oil of God's love is always in our lamps and near at hand. But the foolish bridesmaids who were sent away from the marriage feast had important things to do, places to go, school and jobs and shopping and friends and travel and parties. Picking up necessary oil got lost at the bottom of the to-do list. The day came, the door closed, and they turned and walked into darkness. But you and I are among the bridesmaids who lit their way to the groom's house. The door is flung open to welcome us, and here inside the music is playing, the wedding banquet has begun, and blessed are our eyes because they see and our eyes because they hear. Jesus had two more words for us to cap off the parable and make his meaning explicit. Stay awake. I believe with the oil of God's Spirit, we obey his command when we wake up and we wake up and move into a space that death itself has no power to take from us. With this parable, Jesus is inviting us into a place of rest and rejoicing that has no boundaries. This is the one thing necessary, sitting with Jesus. Stay awake, says Jesus. I'm always with you. Come to me and get your oil at no charge. And so saying, he is making a space at his feet so that we can let go of our troubles and worries, our plans and all our distractions, long enough to gaze into his face. St. Augustine put it this way, My mind withdrew its thoughts from experience, extracting itself from the contradictory throng of sensuous images, 
that it might find out what that light was wherein it bathed. And thus, with the flash of one hurried glance, it attained to the vision of that which is. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and trust shall be your strength. The marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding banquet of the Lamb, and blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. <laughs>